This podcast takes you into the rarely discussed realm of the personal decisions leaders have taken that have influenced their business decisions and developed them into the leaders they are today. The refreshingly honest experiences of those who have been very successful provide an insight into the challenges they faced, the successes they achieved, and the people who influenced them along their journey. Here's our host, Mark Silvera. Welcome to Business Made Personal. This podcast is brought to you by the insurance industry's leading education and events provider, ANZIF, via their Careers in Insurance initiative. I'm Mark Silvera. The nursery started in a service role in the call centre, became a senior account exec in a multinational brokerage, and jumped at the opportunity to start her own authorised representative business, Imperium Insurance and Financial Solutions, with her partner. Welcome to the program, Tanishri. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on board. Hey, Tanishri, talk to me a little bit about where you grew up and what was your life like? I grew up in India, in the city of Taj. It's called Agra. And growing up, my life was very simple. So I would not say it was a dreamy, classy, castle, fancy life. It was a very simple life, a middle-class family. However, my parents gave me what they could at that point in time, a great education and whatever a parent can give their child. Were you just a single child in the family or did you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I was the only one in my family. I'm the only child of my parents. So I got all the glory. (laughs) But you were the centre of attention all the time, so you couldn't get away with anything either. No, I couldn't get away, especially with my mum. Yeah, she was very strict and I just couldn't get away with her. And your parents, what did they do for a living? So my mother has always been a teacher. She was a very well-qualified person um, and She was always a teacher. She used to teach kids. Um, She has taught in various schools and colleges. And uh, my dad is an accountant. So they had nothing in insurance. It's often the case, right? And we'll talk about how you got into insurance in a minute. But I want to know before we get to that point, how did you end up in Australia? So my partner or my husband now, then, then my boyfriend, we actually studied together in the same university when we were in college. So I did my bachelor's degree in Oxford College from Bangalore. And that point of time, there was this thing called hotel management and tourism. That was a very famous line of career to study. By the time we were nearing completing our degree, my husband, he just said, oh, let's look at the opportunity to move to Canada and Australia. Now, he's very feisty and he's always been on the go, go, go. So he was like, what's next? And during that period of time when we were in our early 20s or late eight, teenage age, there was a whole new revolution in India of moving overseas and studying. So Canada, Australia were hot destinations if you wanted to pursue a master's degree or even live your life here. So that's how I landed up in Australia. Like he came on a student visa, he completed his master's degree. And when I got married, obviously, I came to Australia as his spouse. So that was in 2007? Yes, that's correct. When you got here, what challenges did you face that you didn't expect? Life is very different in this country. Obviously, we have no servants. Everything needs to be done on your own. We have no drivers. So I had to learn to navigate the public transport system, the giveaway, stop signs, (laughs) and how to live life on your own. 
the biggest challenge was because I wasn't a citizenship or didn't have a permanent residency at that time, no one would give you a job based on your merit. It was most like, are you a resident? Are you a citizen? So most of the good jobs or office jobs were measured in terms of residency and citizenship, not on your merit. That was the biggest challenge, I thought. So one of the things you mentioned was that you completed a Bachelor of Hotel Management at Oxford College in 2005. What were you looking to do with that at the time? I had a friend of my mum and they were actually in the hotel industry and I was very impressed sort of like the way they worked. Now, let me elaborate on that. Hotel industry in India is a lot different than here. So when you are back home, if you are at a managerial position, you get food (laughs) on the house, you get treatments, like there are perks along with the job and role. But Australia is very different. So I had previously tried to come to Australia, but obviously I couldn't come because of various reasons while I was in year 12 and before I started my degree. But at that time, I thought, okay, well, after completing this, I'll be working in probably a tourism industry because I love traveling and or probably working in a hotel or a nice hospitality establishment at a good role. And I was only 21, so I was open to what I do with my life. Yeah, I understand. And tourism, hotel industry, they're all sexy industries, right? Insurance, not so much. So how did you end up getting into the insurance side of things? I can't say that it's not sexy after 17 years now. (laughs) I think this industry gives you a very good work-life balance if if you want to be in it. But how I got into it was not planned at all. I just fell into it, as everyone does. So I remember I used to work as an office manager at one of the companies and that was getting shut and like getting redundant. So I approached a a recruitment firm and they said, would you like to work in insurance? My first response was like, what? No, no way. It's too boring. And then they were like, have a try. They are a a good company and it's, you don't have to see people. You don't have to sell products. It's a service role. And it's in a call center, so and there will be full training provided. And he actually persuaded me, give it a go, and if you get selected, you get four gold class movie tickets. So I said, okay. It was a movie ticket that drew you in, was it? Probably, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and the salary was good at that point of time. So I thought I will give it a try, which I did. You started in the insurance sector in, I think it was 2007. And then you started your own brokerage in 2017, 10 years later. During those 10 years, you had a number of short stints with a variety of insurers and brokerages. What lessons did you learn from that, those sort of companies that you've taken into your own business? I would actually give the credit of laying the foundation of Imperium to my husband in 2016. He was in a role which was really good. And then that role got made redundant. So he was like, when we can do it for others, why can't we do it for ourselves? And because of the hard work, the business grew in a year. And I used to be with Marsh and McLennan's at that point of time. And he needed support. So I obviously joined him in 2017. It will be exactly six years in two days. So the lessons, when you say short stints, there was this particular year from 2010 to early 2012. It 
was a pure series of bad luck, you can say. So my one of my roles was made redundant, and then I landed up somewhere else, which wasn't right, and somewhere else. So that whole year was full of short stints, whereas wherein I wasn't happy, I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. So the most important lesson that I've learned out of that is do not jump into whatever you get. Think what you love and what you want to do, where do you want to go in life. Now, being young with a young family and having no broken bag, like background, no father, you know, no legacy in here, times you have to make your own life. And when you run a family and when you have to earn money to put food on the table, sometimes you just don't think that way. You just think, well, I need dollars coming in the house. So that short stint, I would say, was a pure share of bad luck. But after that, I got into another company where I spent three years. So I was probably looking, not looking at the right roles. So you're doing it really for a a different reason other than your career development. Is that what you're saying? At that point of time, yes, I was. Because when you get to a point wherein you get into something and then the big companies decide to do something else, so they are the ones putting our career at stake. So that's what I've learned, that never oversell or undersell the role or give a clear picture of where your organization is heading. If I put that into perspective in my business, I would never tell a potential candidate or never sell a role falsely, which is not meant to be. And that's one of the beauties of the insurance industry, that you can either work for a major multinational or you can do your time and then decide to set up on your own if you're willing to take the risk. Why did you think your husband took the risk? Was that something that he's always wanted to do was to run his own business and you came along with it or what was he thinking? He is a risk taker and he is on fire most of the time. He's very motivated. He's very enthusiastic about life and what he wants to do with his career. He has a clear goal, a picture, a definition of where he wants to go. So he has always been the risk taker in our lives. (laughs) I have followed him. So there were some hesitancies and even he didn't know that where we would go, but we believed in ourselves. We knew that we were good workers, we were hard workers, and we were trusted advisors. People loved us. People loved us as people. They loved talking to us. They Everyone thinks we have a positive vibe, which is great. So we took that risk because we knew we will always do the right thing by our clients. And just because you take the risk doesn't mean you can't go back to that corporate life if you ever decide to. I want to talk a little bit more about your background. When you think about those sort of younger years and and you mentioned you grew up in Agra and then you you moved to Australia, was there someone that was a major influence for you, Tanushri, in those times? As a kid, I mean, I never thought about like someone influenced me to that level at that point of time. But thinking about my grandparents, my mother's parents, they were a major influencer in my life when I was growing up. So my grandfather was an ex-army officer, like Air Force officer, and he was very disciplined and had certain ways in life, whereas my grandmother was very jolly and feisty and just the opposite. So 
even after those seven years of marriage, they had that level-headed, you know, combination. And I used to look up to them that how to be disciplined and at the same time be zesty in life. So you don't have to be a boring person if you're disciplined and you don't have to be lose all your zest for life. You've won or been a finalist at 11 awards since starting your business in 2017. You've 2016, I beg your pardon. Having been a recipient of awards such as Authorised Representative of the Year and being in the elite women's list, with those sorts of accolades, what has changed for you? I believe that my work has been validated. So it really feels good that the work that you do for your clients and the hard yards that you put in into building your career, your self-development and growing your organisation is being recognised. My team is valued. We are as good as our team is. So that's one major thing that I think has come with it. Uh, and it has come with a lot of responsibility as well. So when you are recipients of those awards and finalists, you have a stand in the industry and you think, yes, we are doing the right thing and we need to continue to do the right or better things in life. You just can't stop and say, that's it. So it, so it comes with fame but it also comes with responsibilities. And if I asked you about challenges, what would you say is the hardest challenge that you've had to overcome in your life? Managing people. Yep, that could be a challenge. That is a challenge. It is rewarding, but you get people from all walks of life, be it your clients, employees or stakeholders. You just have to deal with everyone and go along with everyone's personalities to run operations and to keep your staff on track is the biggest challenge these days, especially after COVID. I think COVID has changed a lot of things. It certainly has from the way we work to how we work. So you're 100% right. So we have to adapt accordingly. Without a doubt. And we've all had to do that. And it's interesting because some people thrive and other people have really suffered. It just seems to be there's no one size fits all. I want to talk a little bit about failures. I mean, we all have things that don't go as planned. And you mentioned some of them where you've chosen to join companies that didn't quite suit what you were looking to do. Is there one memorable, let's call it failure or challenge? And, and how did you go about dealing with it, Tanushri? I don't know. I wouldn't call it exactly a failure. I would rename it to trial and test. <laughs> I was put to trial and testing in a lot of roles that I did not like. But how I take it is some people get depressed or think, okay, now what next? But the key takeaway from those failures is not to feel depressed or get overwhelmed. Just think, what could you do better next time? Because on a personal note, I'm a very positive person and I just cannot think that I am a failure. If Okay, if I have, I'll try again you know, and do something differently. But the, having a takeaway from that failure is the best thing to do and not repeat that mistake again. And if I said to you, you could go back and visit that young Tanushri who is finishing school in India and looking at life and going, you know what, maybe we should move to Australia, what advice would you give her? I would say never give up and have hope in everything you do. It's all about your mindset. 
Do you think you've had periods where you've wanted to give up? I sometimes still do. <laughs> I have a very bad day. I'm like, that's enough. I'm not doing it from tomorrow. It's a rewarding career. And when I sleep over it, the next day I'm like, let's do it again. And look, we all have days like that, right? But I think if you found something that is you're committed to and you're passionate about, it makes a huge difference in terms of being able to overcome that. And I think a lot of people don't realise that insurance can be one of those things. Insurance moves the world. I mean, it is, it is a rewarding industry. You just have to be patient and aspire for growth. That's what I would say. It's, it's not boring at all. If you were to advise someone that was thinking about a career in insurance, what advice would you give them? Do what you love and have the drive and be patient. Do you think that people aren't as patient as they should be these days? All in all, I personally believe they lack patience, especially this generation <laughs> lacks a lot of patience. Everyone wants to just see what's in for them. They don't want to see, and that's my personal opinion. Um, I don't want to offend anyone here, but they don't want to give, but to receive. So it's giving and receiving both. If you want to receive perks, benefits, you need to be ready to give as well. Your time, your effort, your 100%. It's a two-way road, you know. You can't just receive and you can't just give. It has to be both ways. Yeah, it does that people are saying, well, I don't want to come into the office five days a week. Now, I know you're in Perth. That might be very different over there because you guys didn't go through the the lockdown process we did in Melbourne. But has that factored in at all? It has. I wouldn't say a lot. Perth is a very close-knit city and uh, I haven't had many people request that sort of made to me yet. So they're all happy to come in, mingle with people in the office. The only thing that I would say to listeners is, yes, work-life balance is important and I don't mind if you want to work one day from home and three days from the office. However, it is important to have a mental stimulation with people and see people, you know, in person. I mean, there used to be meetings like this before COVID. We all used to see each other. So COVID is long gone now and we can just continue to live a normal life what we used to. I've got a couple of final questions before we let you go. With the business, how do you see the insurance? If I gave you a magic wand and said you could change anything you like, Tanushri, in the insurance industry, what would you change? Compliance. (laughs) Look, there's a lot going on with compliance and in the media everywhere at the moment. So I would say the only thing in this industry is a lot of compliance. Yes, it it is good to have compliance, but... Compliance should not be a scaremongering tool. It should be used in the best advantage for your clients, not to put you off the occupation. And my final question, what's next for Tanushri Aurora Sapori? Wherever life takes me. <laughs> no, I'm still here planning my business for the next five years and uh, hopefully getting some more work for the firm. Hey, thank you so much for being on Business Made Personal. Thank you. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Please remember to click follow on your podcast app or subscribe at bmppodcast.com.au so we can give you a sneak peek of our next guest. Until next time, I'm Mark Silvera and you've been listening to Business Made Personal.